Welcome to a brand new episode of the Loftus Party Podcast. It is yours truly, Michael. Hope everybody's having a great week. We got a great show for you today. Here's what's going on. My buddy Rob Nelson is on the show. Rob had his own gig on Fox News for years. Back in the day, had a show called The Full Nelson. He's doing a bunch of interesting stuff, really involved in politics. And we've been buddies for a while now, and I thought we gotta have this guy on the show. Now, be forewarned, he is one of those rare breeds of uh, people who claims to be an independent. I don't think they really exist. I think down deep, everybody has chosen sides. However, he's a great dude. He's, uh, it's a great listen. We had an absolute blast. I love hanging with the guy. Love talking with him. I think you're going to dig today's show with Rob Nelson. So we're going to have him on. And then, kids, you're going to have to skadoosh on over to the Patreon. Because that's, that's where the meat and potatoes are going to be. We got some uh, John Stewart news. We're talking about that vets bill. Uh, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi in China. We got monkeypox updates. All kinds of good stuff. Amazon rings of power news. They are getting moited on the internet. And I love every single last minute of it. So we're going to get into that. So that's on the Patreon. You're going to have to come over there. You're going to have to come over there. You'll have to follow me there. So without further ado... Here's my interview with my buddy, Rob Nelson. Hope you dig it. Every once in a while, you guys, I make a mistake and I invite someone on the show that I know I'm going to regret it because they're very smart and they're very entertaining and they're a good conversationalist. And then you're like, why am I listening to this show? I should listen to that guy's show. I find myself in that situation right now with my next guest, Rob Nelson. Rob, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, thank you. What an awesome introduction. I was like, I got now. I have no no uh, pressure to uh, <laughs> step it up. Right. Listen, I'll make this as boring as possible so nobody thank wants you. to listen. You know, so they're like, it's a lose lose for you, right? Because if I say it, then people are gonna be like, why did you have him on your show? Yes, I don't want to listen to it at all. But if I'm awesome, too awesome, right, then people are going to be like, I'm going to go listen to Rob's show. There's plenty to go around, Michael. So let him come listen to me, listen to you, and, you know, everybody yes. gets more. It's more. See? It's a win-win that's, win world. That's why, that's why you're already winning. Now, just so I want to I spend this segment uh, just letting the people know your background, the cool stuff you've done, the, uh, the amazing stuff that you're up to. Because right now they're like uh, Rob Nelson. Is that guy? Is that the uh, the famous wrestler who invented the full Nelson? No, that's another guy. And then they're like Rob Nelson. Is that the is that the comedian? No, that's another guy. Uh, this is Rob Nelson of Stanford fame. This is the uh, Rob Nelson who was uh, you, you were part of the Clinton administration. This is uh, Rob Nelson, who had his own show on Fox News. I believe that, that was called The Full Nelson, yeah? Yes, it was. I did not invent that name, but yes. 
you know, it's a it great, made it's sense. A great name. You it's had to go a, with that. Go with the okay. wrestling move. And now uh, the the project that you're working on now that we're so excited about, because this is how I met uh, uh, Taylor Ferber, who was on the show. Fantastic guest. And you called it. You like you guys are going to get along like peas and carrots. Uh, but let let the folks know what you're working on now, guy. So I'm uh, I'm I'm part of a, a company called Roundtable Media. And the simplest way to think of it is, you know, we we it's a decentralized media space. And by that, I mean, you know, most media is centralized, right? You've got a. You've got one. It's not whether it's left or right. You know, it's CNN or Fox News. It doesn't matter. You've got a, or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal. You know, you've got one central publication or organization or platform that decides all the content that they are going to put on. So if you're going to be on CNN or Fox News, somebody at CNN or Fox News has to approve what you're going to do. They have to approve your segment or they have to let you do the segment or let you be a guest. And, you know, and and and. The counter to that is the social platforms like, you know, obviously on Twitter, anybody can be on Twitter. Anybody who wants can have a, a channel on Twitter and say whatever they want. Well, let's be Trump can't. I was going to say, I was going to say, in theory, in theory, anyone, so long as you're not, say, the president of the United States. And as don't long like you. as you're not critical of the vaccine, as long yes, as you yes. don't. As right. long as you're not Robert Malone or President Trump. Um, but yes. that's like an open platform, right? In between yeah. is this space. And let's call it like a curated publishing platform. On Roundtable, we invite a wide variety of channels, of independent channels who own their own content. They own their own IP. It's, it's, their, it's their content. It's not YouTube. We don't own it. You know who your listeners are. We don't, you know, on YouTube, you don't know who you can't find if you if they cut you off you lose all your subscribers you don't have their emails it's your content your ip your subscribers but you're on our network now not anyone can be on our network because it's curated so it's not literally like you know it, it's not just like open like twitter but it's also not closed like we invite a wide variety of channels from all different perspectives with the idea of let's have everybody unbiased you know uncensored. Once you're on, it's your platform. You do what you want. You say what you want. We don't censor you. We don't cancel you. We don't remove you. And it creates a space to have a dialogue we're not having. And a goal has been to bring all different voices as we as we move toward our official launch, all different voices to the, to the table in crypto and in, in politics and in medical and just have conversations we're not having. And what I do is I executive produce and host the main like the really only centralized part of the platform, which is where I bring, you've been a guest on this, I bring people from all different channels and perspectives together and have roundtable conversations. Again, conversations we're not having, not what you'd see on CNN, not what you'd see, and you've been on it. You know, I think you could say it's, it's you go on Fox all the time, which I'm sure is awesome, but what I do is a little different. I try to have a conversation you wouldn't hear somewhere else. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm going to pull a Jen Psaki, and, and we're going to circle back to that. Oh, good Lord, Jen. Jen, Jen. Okay, okay, Jen Loftus. I want I want to get back to something because you were talking about what you know the great thing about you know roundtable is you can just present it. You're not going through, uh, and you would. Oh my gosh, I just had a, a a Joe Biden moment. Now you had your own show on on Fox. Like, yes. It, would you have to put? Would you have to get stories okay through the Fox higher ups? No, would, no, no. And I wouldn't. So I have my own show on Fox News. I also have my own show on Fox Network, a daytime syndicated show, right? And yeah. in both cases, 
So to be honest, in Fox News, I Roger Ailes gave me enormous room to do whatever I wanted. I mean, at, at one point, you know, he said to me, he's like, you know, my ratings weren't doing great because he was like, Rob, everybody loves you except our core audience. It was funny. He's like the old, old you know, <laughs> older, older white conservative guys don't really like you. He's like, everybody else loves you. Young people love you. Every minority group loves you. The LBGT community, they all love you, you know? And he's like, you, you know, if you want your ratings to go up, which is ultimately necessary to keep this show on the air, yeah. you need to say different things. And I'm like, okay. and what if I don't want to? And he said, then don't. He's like, do what you want. It's your show. But eventually, if the ratings aren't where we need them to be, we're canceling it because we're not going to make money. But he was like, it's your call. And I didn't do, I didn't change what I wanted to say. And eventually, I mean, it lasted a couple of years, but eventually I got canceled. Um, so no, I didn't get told what to say. Um, okay. um, but, but, but you still had to go through, right? I couldn't, I, it's still, you're part of a, of a network and they could ultimately have said, no, they could ultimately have said, we're not going to let you do that. Or we're not going to let you talk about that. I mean, they control the network. They give you the access and they, you know, and I don't think that's a shocker to most people. You know, it's like, that's yeah. the way the business, it's their, it's their technically Twitter's platform. Technically Twitter does have the right to cancel Donald Trump. I mean, it's complicated with Twitter because they're. I believe they're more like a telecom company. It'd be like if the phone company 25 years ago had said, we're going to not let certain people have phone lines, you know, right. like they're a sort of a monopoly, but they're a private company. So, uh, you know, and our model is we want to give people that access and we won't tell you what to do or say, and you don't need our approval. So that makes sense. Long answer, not a Jen Psaki answer. That was like a more, you know, that was, that was now here's, here's what I think, uh, but the the first the question that's at the, at the four the four of my mind just how did how did the how did the show at Fox happen how did you meet I've never I've never met Roger Ailes he's kind of like this mythic okay. figure yeah but like how did that how did the right. the full Nelson start how did that all go I down love, I love I would love to be able to share this story and I don't know how if how if before I've actually told this story on a show so it's kind of actually a, a fun story I um, yay I um yeah this might be a first. I, I've told people this story. Um, I was in New York. Um, I had just, I was just finishing law school, Stanford, and I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted a law degree from Stanford. We'll circle back on that. Now you're talking um, about Stanford, Stanford, the community college. <laughs> yeah, Stanford community college. Yeah. Except we can circle back if you want the, the law, the law school story, which really has, is my origin story of why I do what I do. But um, I, I was in New York and my agent at this time, I've been bugging her to get me opportunities to like meet people for, you know, I wanted to be a talk show host. And in law school, people thought I was crazy. I was like, I was always gone. I was always in LA. I was always shooting stuff and, you know, making stuff. And they're like, why are you even in law school? Like you, what, what are you going to do when you graduate? I'm like, I'm going to get a talk show. <laughs> like, and they're like, okay, this <laughs> doesn't quite make sense, but okay. Um, and She'd set up a meeting with me with a producer she represented. And you know how agents, if you don't, guys, people who listen don't know the world of agents, especially before now, but it's still true. You know, they do favors. So if you have a client who's complaining, you set that client up with another client and you say, do me a, a favor, meet with this person so that I can be satisfied that they're getting meetings. Yeah. So she set me up to have this meeting with this producer in New York who was putting together a show that Fox News was going to produce that actually, of all people, Chris Cuomo was going to host. And they oh, were doing wow. a pilot. And I, yeah, and I was going to be a correspondent I mean, if I got hired. 
And right. I go to the meeting and this woman, you literally, you know, sometimes you meet people and it's just bad. It was one of those. There was no secret that she didn't like me. And it was no secret that I didn't really like her. Like it was the worst conversation for an interview. There was no chance I was getting hired on this show. Like it's not that I couldn't do the job. There was just, I would have actually probably been great at it. It's just, she was like, there was just no way. She just didn't like me. Yeah. And I'm a pretty specific, you know, I'm a pretty specific personality. I don't put a lot of filters on. I'm, and it, I just pushed her all the wrong way. And this is way before woke, but she was like woke. She was woke before <laughs> the woke. And, uh, and I was unwoke before there was woke. So, um, so I, I leave the meeting knowing I'm never getting the job. I'm getting ready to fly back to L.A. And she calls me and she says, you know, I forgot. Can you come back real quick after lunch? Like, you're not that far away, are you? I'm like, what do you come back? She said, well, we have this thing where anybody we hire would have to first meet Roger Ailes. Just literally have to see him and meet him. You have to shake his hand. You don't have to, like, have a meeting with him. It's his policy. Wow. I'm thinking, why, I am thinking, why would you do this? Like, you're not hiring me. Like, why would you bother to check the box that I met Roger? Because I ain't getting hired. I'm like, okay. And I go back thinking there's no way I'm getting hired for this job. I have no idea why this woman's going to honor this thing that's clearly in their checklist of to-dos. And I go back and she says, it'll literally take two minutes. We're walking in. We walk up into the Ro- hallway outside of Roger's office and he comes out, big burly guy. You know, he's hurrying late for something. And she says, I wanted you to meet this guy, Rob Nelson, da, 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 just a quick meet and greet, you know, part of our thing. And I'm not lying. Roger Ailes was such a specific personality. He literally starts grilling me. Like as if I've come in for like a thesis, you know, my dissertation thing. He just starts in on me yeah, and asks me question after question. And every answer I give him, he insults me. He doesn't just insult my, my content. <laughs> he insults me on top of it. It's like stupid idea coming from young, stupid person. Like kind of thing. Wow. And he just, he's he unfiltered. Like I think I'm unfiltered. This guy's just no barriers. And after about five minutes of this, I'm so annoyed. I insult him back. And I'm like, you know what? Your ideas are kind of stupid, to be honest. And I'm like, you know what? You're old, overweight, you know, balding, rich, conservative guy who thinks you know how the world works. And I, you, you know, I basically said the things, bald, overweight, whatever, you know. Wow. And he looks at me. She's by, by now ready to die. She's thinking I just you know, get my, lose my job. And he says, not a lot of people would say that to my face. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, you know, you can't, I'm like, you can dish it out, but can't take it. And he, he looks at his watch and he's like, okay, I'm really late for a meeting. Why am I talking to you? Like, and, and she starts to tell him, desperate to like put this train back on the track, why I'm there. And I see my window, you know, I was a believer, Michael. You know, opportunity lies in front of you. Are you are you prepared for it? Are you ready to take it? Because you never know when it's coming, and you can't not be ready because it's going to show up one minute. If you're not ready, you miss your window. And I'm like, my window's right here. This window's opening. I better get on it before she can get a word out of her mouth. I look him in the eyes and I say, I want you to give me my own talk show. Wow. And she literally is now fully ready to like like transcend to another dimension. She goes pale sort of slides in front of me and goes, actually, Roger, he's here for, and he, I'll never forget. And I got to know Roger really well. He became my mentor. She, he turns his head toward her, doesn't say a word, just with this look on his face, which is like, did I ask you to speak? And she stops, she stops in mid sentence. I doesn't even finish it. And he turns back to me and he's like, why should I give you your own talk show? 
Anyway, so cut to, you know, a month and a half later, he gave me my own talk show and be- he became my mentor. Um, and that's how it happened. And I never talked wow. to that producer again. And the Chris Cuomo pilot never went anywhere. Uh, he eventually Wait. went to CNN. So when, so when he said, why should I give you your own talk show, what did you say? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. What are you, a journalist right? or something? Um, yeah, what details, details. Do we really care? <laughs> uh, <laughs> do we really? Do you guys listening really want to know what I said? I said some version of, uh, of yeah, I remember the best parts of the story. I, some version of, you know, this is what I do. I'm uncensored. I'm unfiltered. Look, I'll say what I think. I said it to you. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. really good on camera. I was a political activist, you know, and I. I took over a week. That's again, we can circle back to that if you want. That's what really got me going when I launched Lead or Leave in the 90s. And I was like, and I, I, I know how to connect to people. I know how to talk to people in the language they want to hear. And I'm not left or right. I'm an independent. And you need that on this network. And he's like, you have a demo? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, send it to me. If I like it, I'll fly you back to New York at my expense and we'll have a real meeting. And a week later, he flew me back to New York. Wow. Wow. Best, now, best you- for me, best story of how you like get, you know. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to confront it. Don't don't be the butt kisser when you should just be you because the, that powerful person may hate you for saying shit to them or they may actually respect you and like hear you and give you a platform. Yeah, that's all you can do is like be true to yourself, be honest and, and roll the dice. I think it was Roger Ailes. Who, uh, and, first of all, I want to say this. What a great freaking policy that he had, that he wants to meet everybody. Yep. Like, yep. that one that one really paid off. Uh, well, yeah, however, and also, by the way, Michael, sidebar on that, I will always defend, you know, everyone likes to say, and I don't know the current Fox News, whatever, but that Fox from the beginning always told everyone what to say. And I, and I, that I said before, you know, at one point he was like, you should really say different things, but... No, he never told me what to say. And I never saw him tell other people what to say. I'm sure they hired people that fit into a thing, although I was an odd fit. I did not fit their normal thing. But he never, he never, he would tell me he thought I was wrong. We would argue a lot about stuff intellectually. But he was always like, you say what you want to say. I gave you a platform. You go ahead and say it. Like, use it and do your thing. Like, I hired you because you have a voice that I think is powerful and a talent. It should be heard. I'm not going to micromanage your message. That's. Uh, that's that's great and it's like so so what year was that where where was fox then fox was six years old 2000 okay all right so they were just really starting to come up but it's they were cool. just starting they just started they just that year had just passed they were the fastest growing cable if you remember all the billboards fastest growing yeah cable network they had just started to become they weren't as big as CNN, but they were growing really fast and beating them every month. And, you know, it was that window where they were starting to get on fire. Yeah, it's it's um. so I bet uh, well, I, you know, uh, my my guy Kilmeade was there. Was was Gutfeld yeah. there when, when you no, were there? No, Gutfeld wasn't there. No, because he told no. when he was on the show, uh, he told this story because he comes from the magazine world. And so he has all these like little you know, uh, you know, segment ideas, you know, he loves, he loves doing animals are great and segment idea and a segment idea and a segment idea. Cause he could package everything. He could, you know, he learned how to package stuff, you know, from being in magazines. So he, he was, he was telling me that he got flown to New York. It must've been ales. And, uh, and, and Greg goes into his, his spiel. Well, you're like, you know, so why, why should I give you a show? 
uh, and Greg's like, oh, I'm going to do this segment. I'm going to do that segment. I'm going to do this segment and that segment. And Ailes is just like, no, you're not. You're, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do an A block, a B block, a C block. <laughs> and Greg yeah. is like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So in fairness, and yeah, so no, I don't, Greg wasn't there. You know, Hannity was, uh, you know, Steve Ducci. Bill O'Reilly was still there. It was right before he yeah. left. One of his key staffers left and came to work for me because she hated Bill. Bill O'Reilly was such an abusive human being. First time I watched, I have mixed feelings. Roger Ailes could be abusive, but that's not the right word to use. Roger Ailes was rough. He was rough with everybody. I never saw him be abusive. I never saw him do anything with women. He, he cautioned me about being really careful how you deal with women in, in this space and not, you can, you have to watch your, you can't say things that you think are fine, you know, like, and he wasn't saying it like even in a PC way. It was just like, you've got to like, well, I'm sure there was a PC aspect of it. Someone's going to take anything the wrong way, but he was like, you just can't do and say certain things. It's not, you know, you, you know, you gotta, yeah. but, but he was tough. He would, yeah, people would all say how Roger pointed out women in short skirts and the whole thing and the, the stories you'd hear about like. He'd say, you look better in that dress. He did. He said it with guys, too. He'd be like, Rob, you're a pretty boy. You know, back in the day, I was a pretty good-looking guy. He's like, guy, Rob, you're a pretty boy. Like, you're a handsome guy. Why don't you use your looks better? Why don't you wear shirts that look better? Why don't you wear tighter? Like, literally, he was like, it's a visual medium. And Roger got that. He also got how you put shows together. So he did do that. He would tell you exactly what your show should be. He never told yeah. me what to say. But he understood how to make things work. And he, un he was a genius at understanding media. And he got what would work and what wouldn't and how to build those formats and stuff. It's it's wild. There was a uh, a Stanford uh, buddy of yours, a guy that I that I worked with, uh, a friend of mine, Sam Simon. Uh, one of the, he went on to create uh, The Simpsons, but like a super funny guy. But it, 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 like that are we name same, dropping here, Michael? Are we name dropping? We are. Well, here's the deal. It's like I, I can drop a few. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's there was people warned me. They're like, you're going to meet this guy. He's super rough. He's he's this. He's that. He takes no prisoners. He's that. Blah, blah. Like, buckle up, buddy. You're about to buy it. And like, I'm like, OK. And like, so you're I was ready for like this bombastic thing. And here's the deal. Uh, I got along famously with Sam. We became friends and he just, he just didn't have time for idiots. Yeah. And it seems yeah. like Roger Ailes, like the same vibe, just like a strong, a strong cup of coffee, as they say on Long Island. But if and, and you know, and I I appreciate people. <clears throat> you know, look, I can be a pleaser. I'm a middle child. I can try to make everybody happy, which is part of the weird thing about my dynamic with the show. I'll say stuff. I'll say anything, and I'll call people out on anything. But I'll also often do it in a way that's a little more diplomatic because I find a way to get people to have, and that's how I can get people from two very different positions to have a conversation with each other. I'm yeah. good at navigating it. But there's a part of me that loves people who. Are, who just don't have time for people who are, you know, <laughs> who just aren't like, I don't have time to listen to you and I'm just going to walk away. Like, I'm the guy who's yes! stuck at the party with the most boring person talking to me and I'm going to be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, really? Uh-huh, and feel bad walking away. I'm like, no one wants to talk to this person. I'm going to make him feel like crap, so I'm going to be nice. I'm a really nice guy, you know, underneath it all. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Rob, fantastic. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk some more. We are with this conversation. We're done with this, right? We're gonna circle back in our next in our next in our <laughs> next conversation and pick up where we left. So it's like a cliffhanger. If you want to hear the the, the stories we left That's off, great. It is. It is a total cliffhanger. Everybody, hang on that cliff.
Rob Nelson, everybody. We're having a we're having a grand old time. We're having a good time on the Loftus Party Podcast. Thanks for being here. I don't know why I did that like Mrs. Doubtfire. We're gonna be right back with more of my interview with Rob Nelson. <laughs> Stick around. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. We have to keep talking. We have to keep talking to to Rob Nelson because we've only scratched the surface of your brilliance, bud. We got you. We got we got a little bit into the Fox News. I don't want to stay there forever because there's there's so many other wonderful things. We kind of skimmed on on the the round table aspect of it all. However, I want you to know I did I did a little bit of a due diligence guy and. Yeah. I'm I'm looking here at a 2014 exec producer credit on a movie with Morgan Freeman. Is that you, guy? That is me. So, all right, we're going way out there. Yes. Yeah, so, I have a little sidebar career I had. Whatever. You know, it's not a sidebar career. You know, you like you, Michael. You can do 50 things. You're talented, right? You want to get your voice out and express it, right? Yeah. You have a, you have a podcast. You go on the, the you go on you know Gutfeld and the Five. You you have your, your your comedy show that you're doing in New York. You go on tour. Yes. You, you're a lot of things, right? You were a writer for shows. It's like you're not one. You're creative. You're creative. I call us creative. So I did exec produce um, a movie. It was actually a small movie. It was the quick story on it is it, it, it was it was done by it was done through the Make a Wish Foundation. Some different kids will ask for a wish, and often it's, I want to be in a movie set, or I want to meet a producer. You know what I mean? It's a Hollywood fantasy. I want to be in a movie. And these two people came up with this great idea of why don't we, instead of giving these, granting these kids each a separate wish, why don't we put a group of them together and grant them a collective wish and get a team of people to make a movie around them, with them? So so it was a short movie called wish wish wizard and uh and the i and that one of the two of the kids acted in it one of them got to quote unquote direct it although they had a real director you know right 
behind it. Everyone donated crew time, gear, lot, the whole thing. And Morgan Freeman did a cameo. He's the wish wizard. Um, And I exec produced it. And then we did it. And then the Arclight in Hollywood, those of you who don't know, Arclight is a a big, you know, well, I don't know if Arclight's gone now. It went bankrupt, but back. But, you know, the Arclight in Hollywood, they did a premiere just like they do a normal premiere, red carpet premiere, closed off one of the theaters, put up the, you know, the, the, the ropes had paparazzi there and, you know, you know, press and did the red carpet for the kids and then did a a premiere of the movie. That's awesome. That's wonderful. That's great. It's beautiful. uh, It's a make a wish thing. You know, for those who don't know, that's kids who are terminal. And actually, sadly, one of the kids passed before the movie was finished. This goes to show you when you see these make a wish things, don't act, don't assume, oh, they're fine, whatever. These are kids whose life are on a short track. And if you can give them a gift and, and do something, for these kids, it's a moment they would be, it's everything for them, you know, and maybe their life is shorter, but they get to have a dream that they wanted to see before their short life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a very cool thing. How was, how was Morgan Freeman? Tell me Morgan Freeman was cool. I, honestly, I, I don't, I think I met, I honestly, I think I met him at the premiere. I, 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 I never worked with him. I wasn't on the set for the shoot. It was like, you know, I think he put in like a half day, you know, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I can't pretend that I was like, I buddied up with Morgan Freeman. That's, you know, go ask our friend Taylor Ferber about Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I wanted you to be like, man, Morgan, no, no, I'm serious. Out. we She's ran into Charlie Morgan. Sheen. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm serious. We both know Taylor Ferber. She has a great Morgan Freeman story. Next time you talk to her. She, oh, I, I bet she does. I bet she no, does it's a have great a great one. Morgan it's Freeman story. I bet one. Taylor. Um, I bet Taylor has a a lot of great celebrity stories. That's one of those bonuses yeah. of being uh, smart and hot and and female. Okay, right. I got to touch on this. This is because this is like to me is like the meat and potatoes of the thing. I've I've done a couple of programs with you uh, on the roundtable, and you are uh, decide you're like you are a legit independent, and I am. Yes. Definitely a small government, right-leaning, pseudo-libertarian, uh, Republican guy. I don't, and this this is going to come as a shock to you, where I, I think a bunch of people claim they're independent. They really don't want, and it, like, that's why there's no third party. It is, I think it's tribal. I think it's in our DNA. I think this goes back to caveman days that you huh. you have to ultimately pick a side. Do you agree or disagree that you're you're ultimately going to have to pick? I disagree, but I think you're right. It, so I'm going to agree and disagree. I think you're right. We are tribal. There's no well. Clearly, we're tribal, and clearly, we group ourselves and we pull ourselves into collectives and things of shared community. And, you know, we want to be part of community, whether it's our friends, our work, our, our politics, people who think like we do. Social media has certainly hyper accelerated that to where we don't even sometimes want to hear things that come from not our not our tribe or our, our counter tribe. Um, but I don't think inherently the problem with the third party is that is the tribal aspect, because you could have a third or fourth party and still be tribal about it. You could be the populist party and we're tribal around our populism. I I really think the barrier 
is the two party system is so deeply entrenched and it it goes so down. I mean, you know, you realize how deep roots those go. And I don't mean global like conspiracy theory type stuff. I'm saying local politics. You know, you're down to the precincts and, you know, getting elected, you know, electing a president. You know, the amount of which you're doing at the core level, the amount of which it matters if you've got your votes counted in, in little counties all over. And the machines of the two parties are so powerful and so spread out like like weeds that it's very hard to get traction. But I think well, in the era we're moving into, that's going to change because I do think we're seeing the ability of candidates who don't have that. Trump was one of them, you know, who can because of social media, because of our we can now communicate over versus under, I think you could hit enough people and trigger that and actually create a movement where you're electing, I call it a national enema. We should throw everybody out of, in my second book I wrote about it, I throw everybody out of Congress in one big sweep, one election, just don't elect any new, anybody who's there. And the Senate, you could only do the ones that are up for election that year. And I think it could happen. It just, I don't think it's, but it would be its own version of tribal. We'd be the party well, that's tribal against the other two parties. You hit you hit the nail right on the head when you when you said I think now in the age of social media it could happen and and that is why it, social media is censoring the bejesus out of everybody because they know it too they know it too with 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 Twitter with Facebook with with any of these yeah. you can reach enough people because that's what it is like. Back in the day, in, in the great, you know, two-party system, is you had, uh, you had, uh, you know, the grass, the grassroots, the people on the streets, the people who would knock on the doors, yeah. the people who would leave the flyer. You don't need them as much now. And like you're saying, with enough people on on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or what have you you can sidestep that whole issue. And that's why they're clamping down on people. Dude, the censorship oh, has, has never been worse. It has never yeah, been and worse. I, and I think you're right. I think too often people think, Michael, that the censorship is actually ideologically based. And I don't think for the most part it's really ideology anymore than I like to say if you follow the election. I don't know. You have a pretty political audience. I guess most of you guys listening are, are – yeah, but how in the weeds everybody gets about any one thing. But, you know, the, the, the whole argument they made, whatever, a year and a half ago, whatever it was about, you know, the voting laws in Georgia and how, you know, it was Jim Crow laws all over again, targeting yes. black people. And I, at the time I said, I was like, I was like, first of all, yes, it appears it is targeting black people, but it's not targeting black people because they're black people. It's targeting people who live in urban communities that are lower income who vote Democratic. They wouldn't care what color those people are. It's nothing to do with them being black. It has to do with them being Democrats. And they're, co they're cloistered there, and you want to restrict their ability to vote. And I truly believe Republicans do want to restrict their ability to vote. The same way I believe Democrats, you know, the hypocrisy we just saw last week. I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, it came out the, all, the, all the candidates, the far right, you know, election denier, pro-Trump candidates that the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, has been putting ads up in primaries. So you got the Democrats in Congress saying this is nearly the end of the Republican. Then they're going and running ads on these people going, they'll be easier for us to beat the general election. It's yes. such hypocrisy. It's both sides want to make sure they get the people they want to vote. And that's all it comes down to. You know, it's 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 to me, it's it's 
really about that. It's, it's, you know, that's really what's, what's underlying all of this. And I don't believe the censoring is as political as it is power. You know, at Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg's number one board of director, Peter Thiel, resigned a couple months ago. Peter was a hard right conservative. He left to go help Trump supported candidates. And when he left, Mark Zuckerberg wrote like a love letter about how this guy taught me everything about business, about Facebook. He's my longest board member. That guy wasn't censoring conservatives because he didn't like conservatives. It's it's the business model. Keep us from having power. Keep us in the keep us in the the Kool-Aid loop of drinking whatever. Well, that That's is well, that goes back. I don't, do you agree with that or not? Because you you're more conservative, so you see the censorship around ideas. But I think it's more what threatens them in terms of power. I don't know. Well, well, it is. It is. It's all things. It's it's power. It's control, and that is all rooted in politics. They they certainly, and it's got to be you know odd for you. And it, I've always kind of struggled with how to. Uh, here, here's I'll, I'll just put it out there this way. Uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS for the for the longest time. That was it. Now, your local. In terms of, you know, news on the on television, that was it. That was it. Now, your local right. newspaper, you might have two papers. You might have a, a liberal leaning and then a conservative leaning. Right. Like the Post and the Daily the News in New York. Yeah. What happened is the left had a stranglehold on the flow of information. Right. And they have they have enjoyed that uh since since the the frickin printed just 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 past the Gutenberg Bible. Like just after right. the, it's like it's it's um it's why Citizen Kane is uh the the greatest movie of all time is what everybody says. Oh, Citizen Kane it's great because they're taking down a right-wing guy. They're demonizing that guy. And it's it's too funny. So when when social media pops up and when the Internet hits, uh oh, they lost control. And then yeah. you've got Fox News popping up. And suddenly there's this huge hunk of America, like more. Than, I would say more than half of America is like, finally, finally. And they just can't they don't want to let that power slip through their fingers. Right. And then I'm sure but it is. <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to say this. With 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 like Facebook and Twitter, it's even more nefarious now because they 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 claim that, oh, we are just a reflection. We're just a, a billboard of what America and the world is talking about. This is just this is just a mirror. Uh, it's a bulletin board slash mirror. And by changing what's trending and changing the conversation and eliminating accounts, they can affect the the national vibe and and people right. like oh my goodness like it's it's like one percent of the population is concerned about climate change one percent however you go on twitter you go on facebook and you think that everybody's talking about it and it's just simply not the case and yeah, that ain't hundred percent hundred percent i mean so many things there right yesterday on roundtable talking about that climate change came up and I, you know, one of the conversations we had and I had, I had people who were libertarian, I had a hardcore progressive and we kind of all agreed climate change is, you know, it, it's, if you're, if you're the half this country that's trying to figure out how to get through from either literally how to go paycheck to paycheck, or maybe it's how to 
you know, maybe you're a little farther ahead of that curve, but you're not in a position where you don't have to worry about next year. If you still have a job, are you going to be able to put your kids through college? Whatever it is. Don't put your kids through college. That'd be my advice. Like everyone's just forget college. Waste <laughs> time money. But, but if you're any of those things, climate change is a great idea. Sure. We all want a better planet. Who doesn't want a better planet? But you're going, that's 30 years from now. I got to worry about one year from now. I got to worry about six months from now. And thank you for giving me a $7,500 credit if I want to buy an electric vehicle because they cost $65,000 on average. So that Dang. ain't in my price range. You know, you want to give me the $7,000 credit for my $24,000 Honda? Now we're talking. Like, so I agree <laughs> with you 100%. But I, I, and I but also think that it's the nature of these things. You know, we, we think the media is left versus right. And it is, it's people's biases who are in that. But to me, it's really... Us versus them. It's power versus not power. You know, Chris Cuomo left CNN. What's he doing now? He's launching that podcast where it's like all voices, people who aren't left or right. Like, oh, suddenly came out of the woodwork and he's an independent. Like, (laughs) But on CNN, he's not. I remember Van Jones, who's not a friend of mine, but I met him at an event. He was talking and I heard him talking at the event. He was making fun of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats and all this. I went up to him afterwards. I was like, hey, I watch you on CNN. I was like, you never say that stuff on CNN. You don't even come close. Like what you say is so like, you know, divisive and pulling one side. He's like, if I said this stuff, they would never let me say this on CNN. And my followers would go crazy. So people are playing a role. And by the way, Sean Hannity years ago, he might deny it if someone asked him today, but came in my office at Fox and he said, Rob, do you always say what you think? He's like, sometimes you got to say what people want to hear. I'm like, do you always say what you think? He's like, not always or what you believe. Not what you think, what you believe. And I think maybe that's not true for him now, but maybe it is. But I'm saying at some level, I think this left-right thing is a little elusive in that it is about, I think there is a populism on the left and the right that share a common interest in shutting down the powers that be who have no interest in taking care of our best interests. They could give a crap about our future. The Democrats could care less about poor voters, not every single individual, but as a collective whole about poor voters you know, more impoverished communities in urban centers. All they want is those votes. They could care less about their long-term well-being. And the, the I, right's got no more claim on it either. They, their moral stance is, is all great to get votes. And, you know, half the time it's not has nothing to do with actually really, thus, you know, they didn't do anything when they were in power for four years. They didn't fix health care, you know. Well, I, I would say that Trump had a huge list of accomplishments a ginormous however that's that's a conversation uh for for another day another but one. here's no here's the here's the hope and here's the here's the optimism in all of it and once once again you you hit on it it's it's the populist movement everyone knows Here, here's what drives me crazy dude so so the left is like, oh, the Republicans are going after your your voting rights, and the, the Republicans are like, oh, we just want to make sure it's the this that and fair. Da, da, da. Every American wants to know their vote counted, and it's yep. it's beyond the beyond to me how this goes across party lines, and it's so simple. Let's do voter ID and paper ballots, voter ID and paper ballots, and then we're all we're all done. How the fuck? Did we do this shit in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s before computers? Let's just do that again. We this Dominion voting machines and and ballot harvesting and mail drop and drop boxes. You 
you're just asking for trouble. So the solution is so simple and yet left and right just kind of dance around it. I don't, uh, they, uh, yeah. they, they, they must just want to have the fight. So here's, here's my, well, big, it, my big point is this, it's populism. Everyone knows that it's, it's like a cash grab. It's a long con. They pretend to fight. They pretend to do this. And then this happens. Then they pass this law, but then they spent this much money and the left and the right, the common everyday ordinary American with an American first agenda, bringing manufacturing back, making things here, American farmers, American jobs. We can quibble about unions and work weeks and wages, all that crap later. But we need to be able to stand on our own as a country and be self-sufficient. And I think that terrifies the left and the right. I, I think you're right. I mean, on the voting thing, <clears throat> my only thing is I actually think we could vote off the blockchain with a secure open source technology, and we have it. I don't actually think electronics are the problem. I don't think either side wants too much clarity. You know, back in the day, I got my, my started out by being a young political activist in the 90s. I don't know if you know this. I started a thing called Leader Leave, which yeah. I co-founded it, which was a, the first real accountability movement. We were pre-social media, so we didn't have the tools to get millions of people other than getting out in front of them, organizing on campuses, using national media. And we got tons of national media, 60 Minutes, Nightline, you know, lead story in the NBC Nightly News. And we would do rallies and stunts and get attention. But our, our message was accountability. We actually had a, a deficit reduction uh, uh, it was called the pledge and the goal was cut the deficit in half in four years or quit. Doesn't matter what party you're from. Doesn't matter if you voted for it, your party did. If you don't collectively get the goal done, then walk away and let someone else try. And we actually got, and, and our, our argument was this is for the long-term benefit. It's the deficit, but the deficit represents money you're spending that we don't get to spend on our future, on education, on healthcare, on better environment, on sustainability. And we had support from the left and the right, both in politics and in terms of people across the country, but eventually the machine came in after us and George Stephanopoulos like made it his mission to skewer us when I wouldn't kowtow to, to do, you know, to only do things that would make Clinton, you know, he famously sat with me and my co-founder in, in, outside, in, outside the Oval Office and, and offered us that the president would come to two events a year and the Democrats would, we'd make it a democratic organization, but it'd still be ours. And I was like, we're not doing that. We're, we're not partisan. We're not picking a side. Our side is the future and our future. And both of you are responsible, both parties. And he said, well, then you got to stop trashing the president because we just trashed him in a New York Times editorial. <laughs> and, and I said, as, when he does the right thing, I'll call him out for that. When he does the wrong thing, I'll call him out for that. And I'll never forget, George looked at me and said, I will destroy you. I will destroy your organization. I will bring it down on your head. I will cut off your funding. I will get horrible stories about you planted in the press. I will create this. I will literally cut you to pieces. And it's like, are you threatening me? And I love this moment. He points at the wall of the Oval Office and says, the President of the United States sits on the other side of that door. I don't make threats I can't keep. Oh! And, and, and he did. He came after us wow. like a came after us like a freight train coming down on your skateboard. I don't know where I made that one up from. No, that's a great one. Like a freight train on a skateboard. That's cool. You know who's going to like that? Uh, millennials. Yeah. <laughs> that is a uh, yeah. That's a chilling story. I, that, it's that's true, and it's how the parties work. And I'm I pick on both sides for that reason. You know, it's like we think 
One side does it right. You said it. The other side, both sides are in on this. Both sides use it to their advantage. And both sides are basically as long. I think the reason we don't have a third party is both sides go as long as it's just the two of us guys. And we cut this pie up between us. We'll all be good. So let's make sure we don't get too many new people, too many votes we can't control, too many outside forces, and just keep it between us and we run things. And that's what Dude, they want, they, you know. That is that is the grift. That is the grift. I read a wonderful biography about uh, Harry Truman, and I'll say this about Harry Truman: he was he was in on the grift, like back in local politics and all that stuff. When World War II came around and he got knocked. Uh, into the, the the vice president, he made the rounds in D.C. And he told everybody, we got to chill it, chill it on the grift. I know which angle you're using. I know how you pad the receipts. I know how you're skimming money. You got to stop it. It's World War II. This shit's legit. And he went around and he shut it down. And then the minute World War II, like they they just they're right back at it. They're right back at it. You look at what Nancy Pelosi's been doing with insider trading, and there's dudes on the left who are total, or on the right who are total rhinos, and like, oh, there's there's nothing we could do. We got hornswoggled. We got outwitted. They're making money too. There's no way you yep. go into politics and you're making a hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year, and then you retire four years later and you got millions in the bank, yep. unless yep. unless you're dirty. And that's why America first really solves all that. We got a clear house on the right. We got to get rid of so many rhinos. It's over, guys. The grift is over. We're out of money. We're in debt. It's uh, the game has changed. And and obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not America first in the traditional sense. I, that words even make my skin crawl a little. And I'm not. Now, why is I'm that? Why is that? It just it, it's a it, it it contains so much buzzword, so much you know. It's why I hate and I hate it on the other side. You know, I was saying yesterday around table about you know we don't call the, the technical thing you don't call people homeless anymore. They're the unhoused community, and we're the housed community. It's like seriously, we're the housed community. I don't house or I don't like you know. It's and to me, America first conjures up a lot of things that I think. And, you know, people go back to saying, oh, look, it's, you know, Lindbergh was America first, you know, this racist tone. And I'm like, it's nothing to do with that. The agenda. So maybe the idea, the idea of putting the best interest of our people first. And to me, that is not exclusive at taking a world view. That is not exclusive at building a global community. It's a win-win. You don't have yes. to do one at the expense of the other. You don't have to either, either figure out how to fix poverty in our own country. To give people a standard of living, give people a universal health care. I don't care how you figure out how to do it, between the left and the right, between all the brains in this country. Figure out a way to make our health care system work. It doesn't literally break everybody but the richest banks. And, you know, the Republicans who get in there and go, that's socialism. That's not socialism to give people basic health care. Figure out how to fund it. Figure out how to use the private sector to do it. You do it with everything else. You do every single business in this world could be a public business. Instead, it's a private one. Privatize public schools the same way. Like so, make a private healthcare system that works and is affordable. To me, that's an America first goal. But so I just maybe it's those words, and I don't think the right or the left is doing. Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell both should be ashamed of themselves. Well, both this you have you have cracked open the door for. I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to have you back on this show because we gotta we gotta talk about this like for hours, guy. 
here's what, and I'll, I'll leave it with this. And 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 Rob Nelson, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show and let let everyone know where they can find you at Roundtable. So Roundtable.io. Roundtable.io. Dot io. So it's not dot com. Dot not dot net. Dot Roundtable, like King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table. Yes. Dot io, which is a okay. address a lot of blockchain people use. You can yeah. find me on sure. Roundtable.io, and you can find me at at Rob Nelson Live are my social handles for me at Rob Nelson Live. At Rob Nelson Rob Live. Rob Nelson Live on Twitter, Facebook. I don't use Facebook much. Twitter, Instagram. All righty. Well, thank you so much. And then I just want to, I'm just going to bring this to your attention. What really sealed the deal for me, for uh, American, America first. And this is like the emotion that, that, that I come with when, when the Rona hit and people are looking around for medicines, we couldn't make antibiotics here. We, we, we could not, we are unable to produce our own antibiotics in this country. Yes. Yeah. That terrified me. That terrified me. That seems like, uh, you know, you're going on a road trip with your family and you're like, hey, did we bring the cooler? Oh, we don't. It, it's just like one of those freaking basic things. Like we should be able to make steel here. We should be able to have like yes. all of our resources. Uh, we should be able to make energy. We should be able to drill for oil. We should be able to make medicine, whatever medicines we need. We should be able to make them here. If the rest of the world goes off the rails, I want to know that we're safe and snug, right? It's like three little pigs action. I want to be in the brick house. That's what I think of when I think of America. And this is a great conversation. We need to have it. And I'm for, I am for, we need to have a manufacturing base here. We need to have a technology base here. We need to have a crypto base here, blockchain, not about the currency, about the technology so that Europe and Asia and, and Dubai don't become the places that, you know, that, that master the technology of Web3, which will be what Web2 and social media and all that is 10, 15 years from now. We need all that. So let's have that conversation about, by the way, Democrats used to be all for the man, investing in the manufacturing base 20 years ago. You know, yeah. it's, it's both, again, we know it goes back to whichever is, whatever is convenient. So let's have the, that America first combo. I'm, I'll, I I'm, I'll come it. back whenever you want me. Rob Nelson, thanks for being on the show, roundtable.io, and you can follow him at, at Rob Nelson Live. Dude, thanks so much. You're a champ. Sorry that George Stephanopoulos was a dick. <laughs> no worries. Hey, it's not my first, won't be my last. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. There you have it, everybody. Good times hanging with Rob Nelson. Fun interview. I like talking to that dude. Good conversationalist. Okay, the show is going to continue on Patreon. But a couple of quick reminders. Don't forget... We got the big live event at the America First Warehouse on August 13th. That show tonight. Yeah. You can come out to the American First Warehouse for the taping, or you can go to thatshowtonight.com and you can watch it. Boom. I know you guys are all subscribed over there. It's going to be an absolute blast. There's always tons of great stuff going on at the America First Warehouse. You guys are fantastic. We're about to get crazy over at Patreon. 
because that's where we're going to be talking about the news of the week, the things that are on my mind. I got to I gotta blow off some steam over on Patreon. We're going to be talking a little Nancy Pelosi. We're going to be talking about that monkey pox. We're going to be talking about Amazon's rings of power. Woohoo! John Stewart and the FBI and why we need to get rid of them. I can't I can't say that enough, you guys. We're going to we're going to let it rip. So I'll see you all over on Patreon. You're fantastic. One last question. Why are those pants still on?